Good morning. My name is Paul Junius, and our reading this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. God said, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. The word of the Lord. Hey, Grace242. Some of you know that a few weeks ago we took our son Colin to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin because he had to undergo an MRI. And leading up to this MRI procedure, we had let Colin bring along his favorite stuffed animal for the day as comfort for him. And before the procedure, we were talking with the nurse about what would happen through the procedure. And the nurse asked Colin, what's the name of your stuffed animal? To which Colin replied, Mama Dog. Mama Dog is Colin's favorite stuffed animal. And the nurse asked him what her name was. And today in the book of Exodus, one of the reasons why Exodus is so exciting and such a gift to the church is that today we learn the personal name of God. Today, Moses asks God, what is your name? And God gives us his personal name. As we anticipate the excitement of learning God's personal name, I've broken this message into parts. This week, we'll learn what God's personal name is, and the next week, we'll delve deeper into what God's name means and what God's name means for us. Now, even though our text today comes from chapter 3 in Exodus, there's a lot that happens in chapters 1 and 2 of Exodus. In fact, the events from Exodus 1-1 to Exodus 3-1 take 2 hours and 10 minutes out of the 3 hours and 51 minutes total runtime in the movie The Ten Commandments. So over half the almost four-hour movie is spent on the first two chapters of Exodus. It occurred to me while working on this series that I could probably read the entire book of Exodus, all 40 chapters, in less time than it would take to watch the movie The Ten Commandments. The book of Exodus opens with the people of Israel in slavery in Egypt. And if you want more background on why the people are in slavery, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. It's the first message in our series. Go back to the Grace 242 podcast where you can listen to message one in this Exodus series. Pharaoh has enslaved Israel because he feels threatened by their sheer numbers. There's so many of them that Pharaoh makes them his slaves. And the people cry out to God for deliverance. Look at the verse before our scripture reading today. Look at Exodus 3 verse 9. This is God talking. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. God hears the cry of his people, and so he begins raising up a man named Moses, a Hebrew boy, who will lead the people out of Israel. 
But at this point in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is shepherding the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro in an area known as Midian, which poses a question for us. If Moses is going to lead the people out of Egypt, then what's he doing shepherding out in the wilderness of Midian? Well, explain it to us, Meredith. Well, Bill, because he was saved from death by being floated down the river in a basket and then drawn out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. And since we're talking about names today, this is how Moses gets his name. Just look at Exodus 2.9 where Pharaoh's daughter says she names him Moses because she drew him out of the water. So Moses grows up in the palace of Pharaoh, but one day he sees an Egyptian slave driver mistreating a slave. Burdening with the sense of justice, Moses murders the Egyptian slave driver, and when word gets out about it, he flees to the land of Midian, where he fights off raiders, marries a woman named Zipporah, and becomes a shepherd. Thank you, Meredith. Exodus chapter 3 opens with a classic Sunday school story, and that story is Moses and the burning bush. Interestingly, and somewhat unsurprisingly, this story takes place on Mount Sinai. Maybe you already knew this, but the location of Mount Sinai features far more heavily than the location of Egypt in the book of Exodus. The burning bush story is another theophany where God appears to someone in visible form. And God speaks to Moses from the bush, telling Moses that God has chosen him to lead the Hebrews out of slavery in Egypt. And this brings us to our text today. Let's read Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. These are God's words. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So Moses receives this message from God that he's going to be the one who will lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. But then he asks a great question. He says, Okay, God, but what's your name? I realize that you're the one speaking to me, God, but who are you? What's your name, God? I listened to a news, politics, and culture podcast by a man by the name of Tim Pool. And on numerous occasions, Tim Pool has said, he says, I believe in God. He said, I grew up Catholic, but I've since leave that, but I still believe in God, just not God as Catholics or Christians might conceive of him. Is Tim Pool's God the God that I worship? No, not at all. Tim Pool has a completely different conception of God. Tim Pool's God is not the God that I worship. He's not the God that has saved me, placed his claim upon my life. He's not the God that I serve. Tim Pool says he believes in God, but I don't believe in Tim Pool's God. And Tim Pool doesn't believe in my God. So even though we both say we believe in God, we don't believe in the same God at all. Now remember, Moses grew up in the Egyptian palace. And the Egyptians had tons of gods, lowercase g. So Moses is completely familiar with this idea of many gods, lowercase g. So when Moses asks God, who are you? Moses is saying, which God is this? Which God do I have on the line here? Tell me your name, God, so that I can know to whom I am speaking. Who do I have on the line, God? 
which God is speaking. Growing up, we still had this thing called a landline phone in our house where people could actually call our house and then this phone that was attached to the wall would ring. And my mom taught me to answer the phone very specifically in our home. I, I had to say, she said, you need to say this exactly. I had to say, hello, this is Billy Vervelli speaking. And I remember when she was so precise about that, that just annoyed me. I'm like, why do I have to be so precise? But as I got older, I realized why my mom made us be so precise to identify ourselves when we began speaking. Because I would call somebody else's house, and on the other line, I'd get, hello? And the first question is, this means nothing to me. The first thing I want to ask is, who am I speaking to? Is this the person I want? Now, I know I've called a particular household, but to whom am I speaking amidst that household? Moses knows he's talking to God, but which God? To whom am I speaking? Tell me your name, God. Let's see how God responds to Moses' question. Are you ready for the personal name of God to be revealed for the very first time? Let's look at Exodus 3, verse 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What is God's personal name? I am, the personal name of God revealed. God says, I am. Last week at the start of this series, we said that Exodus is about fellowship with God. Exodus is about God's desire to be with his people. And this desire of God to be with his people is telegraphed in his very name. Before Bryn was born, Morgan and I were looking through baby name books. And the book would list the name and it lists the meaning of the name. And the problem we were running into was the names with the coolest meaning were not names that we would ever name our child. We'd say, wow, that's a great meaning. And then we'd look at the name and go, Ugh, there's no way I'm naming my kid that. Names have meaning. My name, William, means resolute protector or strong warrior, which I think fits really well with my muscular physique and my flair for combat and the martial arts, right? God's personal name. I am means I exist or I am the cause of existence itself. And Eugene Carpenter in his commentary on Exodus explains how God's personal name telegraphs his desire to be with his people. Carpenter says that in revealing his personal name to Moses, God is saying, I will be present with you and I will work my purposes, goals, and wonders in words and in deeds according to my covenant. Look at Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. Our English translations render the personal name of God as I am. Now the Hebrew word behind I am is the word ehweh. And scholars aren't exactly sure of the precise pronunciation or meaning of ehweh. And we'll get into why that is the case in just a second. But ehweh can mean shared presence, like I am with you. This meaning is the one that our English translations highlight by rendering ehweh as I am, like I am with you. But ehweh can also mean I am the one who brings all things into existence, or I cause to be all that there is. So one definition emphasizes God's eternal existence, God's eternal being with, and the other definition emphasizes God's work through that which he creates. And I tend to think, you know, I'm not an academic and I'm not a scholar, so I can have my cake and eat it too. I'll take both definitions because they both are true of God and they both are backed up by what we see in scripture. This is essentially Moses' conversion moment. 
because he is encountering the God who is. He is meeting the God who was, is, and is to come. He is being introduced to the God who causes all things to exist, and he will become one of the key figures through whom God works his purposes. When Moses asks, which God is on the line here? God responds with, Ehweh, the one who is, the one who causes all things to be. Look back at Exodus 3 verse 14, and I'm going to ask you this question, and you say it out loud in your house churches. What is God's personal name in 3.14? I am. And the Hebrew behind that is Ehweh. But now look at Exodus 3 verse 15. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. What does God say his name is in verse 15 that we just read? Say it out loud in your house churches. Yahweh. So in verse 14, God says, I am, Ehweh. And then in verse 15, God says, I am, Yahweh. Well, why the difference between Ehweh in 14 and Yahweh or Yahweh in 15? Time for a brief grammar lesson. In verse 14, God calls himself Ehweh, which is first person because it's God speaking about himself. He says, I am. And in verse 15, God calls himself Yahweh, which is third person. He is. The Hebrew Eh means I, and the Hebrew Yah means He. So when God talks about himself, he says, I am Ehweh. But when God puts his name on the lips of others, he says, Yahweh, he is. Ehweh, I am. Yahweh, he is. So why the difference here? Well, remember Moses' question in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, what am I supposed to tell the people when they ask me which God is on the line? What am I supposed to tell the people when they ask me which God is this? Now imagine if the people ask Moses, Moses, which God are you speaking to? And Moses returns the answer, I am, Ehweh. Which God are you speaking to? I am? Moses, what do you mean by I am? You are what, Moses? Or you are God? Are you saying that you're God, Moses? You know, I thought this Moses guy was kind of a presumptuous one. Maybe we ought to follow somebody else. I'm not so sure about him. Seems like he's trying to start a cult if he says, I am God. You see how confusing that could be for the Israelites if Moses were to say, I am. But instead, Moses comes to the people and the people ask, which God are you speaking to, Moses? And Moses says, Yahweh, he is. Well, now the people are like, oh, okay, still not quite sure what that means, but makes sense. And when Moses goes to Pharaoh and tells Pharaoh, you better listen to my God. And Pharaoh says, to which God are you talking about? I don't know that God. And Moses says, he is. He is and he brings all there is to be. Well, now that makes sense. And it makes sense that Pharaoh experiences the God who brings all things to be when Egypt undergoes the 10 plagues. Who is our God? His name is Yahweh. If you take nothing else away from today's sermon, take this away. We know our God by name. That's how close he wants to get to us, that he is willing to tell us his personal name and that he wants us to use his personal name and that telegraphed in his very name 
It's his desire to get close to us. His desire to share presence with us. His desire to fellowship with us. I mean, have you ever appreciated the fact that we know our God by his name? The one who created the entire universe and all that we see. The one who brings everything into existence. We know that God by his very name. Now, earlier I told you we would come back to this. Earlier I said that scholars are unsure of the exact pronunciation and meaning of God's personal name, Yahweh. And you might ask, seems like that's pretty important. Like, how do you lose something like God's specific pronunciation and the specific meaning of his name? How do you lose something like that? Well, it happened somewhere in the time period between the return from the Babylonian exile and the rebuilding of the temple then, and the destruction of Herod's temple in 70 AD by the Romans. So this happened, this loss happened somewhere in that time period. And here's why the loss happened. Because the name of Yahweh began to generate a lot of superstition around it to the point where the name Yahweh, the personal name of God, was viewed as so holy, so set apart, so holy other that we ought not even speak or write his personal name like we can't even go near that name because it's so holy and so what people started doing is they started substituting the personal name Yahweh for a more generic form which is the word Lord or Adonai so instead of saying Yahweh because that's super holy we can't say that or write that we got to write the word Lord or Adonai instead and it was over the course of this substitution repeatedly that the name of Yahweh the precise pronunciation and the precise meaning of it was lost. Now, while we might be able to see that the people had good intentions for dropping the usage of the personal name of God, Yahweh, this was a completely unbiblical move and had disastrous results. It goes against what the Bible says. Turn with me to Psalm 105 and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 and we'll read them out of the ESV. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Now look at your English translation that you have open in your lap. And look at verses 1 and 3. And Do you see how the name LORD appears in all caps? That is a signal from our English translations that the Hebrew word behind that Lord in all caps is the personal name of God, Yahweh. So one of the things I like to do when I read the word Lord in all caps in my English translation is substitute God's personal name in my brain with Yahweh. So if I was reading Psalm 103 verse 1, I would say something like, give thanks to Yahweh call upon his name. And then if I was reading verse 3, I would say something like, let the hearts of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Now here's why the move away from using God's personal name Yahweh was unbiblical. Because Psalm 105 verse 1 tells us to call upon the name of Yahweh. And then Psalm 105 verse 3 tells us to glory in the name of Yahweh. So we are instructed to call upon God's name Yahweh. And we are instructed to glory in his personal name, Yahweh. Recently, I was listening to someone who was at the end of their rope. And this person was pouring their heart out and all the frustrations and all the emotion was just pouring forth from this person. And after this person had basically kind of dumped, one of us who was listening to what this person was saying said, let's just pray right now. I'm thinking, that's pretty good advice. Why don't I think of that, you know? 
So we all started praying for this person and while we were praying for this person, one of the people who was praying at one point in their prayer said, God, we call upon your name. We call upon your name, God, and we ask that this person would call upon your name. And I just so appreciated that in the moment because none of us had any answers for all the stuff that this person who was pouring forth was going through. There's no way that any of us could begin to even solve any of the things that this person was talking about or begin to address any of the ailments that they were talking about. They were at the end of their rope. And we don't have solutions. Only God has solutions. And so this person who was praying said, Lord, we call on your name. Yahweh, we call on your name. This is exactly what Psalm 105 verse 1 tells us to do. It tells us, call upon the personal name of Yahweh. There's a reason why God told us his personal name. And one of those reasons is so that we can call upon him. This is who our God is, who wants to be so near to us that he not only tells us his name, but instructs us, call upon my name. Do you realize the gift that we have in our God who so wants to be with us, who so wants to fellowship with us, who so wants to share presence with us, that we can call upon his name? And not only can we do that, that we're actually told in Psalms to call upon his name. That's what I want to leave you with today, is the gift of God telling us his personal name so that we can call upon his name. I love you, Grace 242. I'll see you next week.